Hello and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast sponsored by Manscaped. My name is Andy Warren and uh, it's just me and Stuart Watson today, just the two of us, um, hanging out, the lads. Um, how are you doing, mate? All the boys, all the lads, loving each other. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. I love that video. If you haven't seen that on, on YouTube, um, that's a good one. How would you describe that? That that's almost like a YouTube original. That's like from the very early days of when I started using YouTube. Just a just a a posh a posh boy uh, on a stag do. Love it. It's a it's a posh boy's take on coming back from from a stag weekend. Um, I didn't realize it's actually a comedian. That's a sketch, um, but it's very good. Look it up. I'll find the name for it later. We'll, we'll put a link out somewhere. Um, yeah, you're doing all right though. No stag do's for you this weekend. No stag do's for me. Just pure Ipswich Town <laughs> content, <laughs> mate. I'm so cold. Um, we've got no central heating or hot water in our house at the moment due to an electrical issue, and I'm really, really cold. Um, so I'm hoping that some some Ipswich Town chat for 45 minutes to an hour is gonna is gonna warm me up. Are you uh, are you up for that? Can you help me out? I'll try my very best. Okay. Um, I, I thought you were the ice man. Anyway, I thought you loved um, all things cold. I think I think I'm just getting older. Like that was when I was in my twenties and uh, a bit harder, and maybe maybe a bit a bit silly. But now, now, um, now, now I'm in my coats th- and everything. Yeah, I've, I've tempted to have it on now. It re- really is cold. And at some point in this podcast, I'm pretty sure I'll slightly. Um, slightly weird window cleaner is going to turn up at, um i think this has happened before can turn up at the window to my left and just start cleaning the window it's really really intense when that is so intense he's got his cigarette hanging out of his mouth in the summer just check he's not there no he's not there yet in the summer he does it topless as well um it's it's really intense for about for about because he cleans the window here and then there's the bathroom window just just like next to it and he's there for a good like five minutes it's just really really weird so uh <laughs> so that will that's going to happen at some point so i apologize if i if i get distracted I, I do pay him through the window as well sometimes just to speed up the process um right so let's jump into to a packed agenda of ipswich town chat um and we'll start with a we'll start with a story that we've we've published this morning um regarding town's number 10 uh james norwood um a few questions about him of late where where he's been we've not seen him for for quite some time now d- dating back to um i think it's gillingham isn't it in the in the in the trophy um last month um but so if maybe we'll start with just if you could just fill us in um on the story that the two of us have published this morning about about where he is and uh what the future holds for him at, at ipswich now you missed a perfect segue there from from window cleaner chat to James Norwood, who was, if you remember, once posted a, a clip on social media of him breaking into his own house, climbing up into the the top story window and, and climbing in. Um, just That's what we example. missed with Mark away. <laughs> a little example of the James Norwood social media antics, which, from what we gather, I think it's a bit of a cumulative effect with with James Norwood we, we don't need to tell all our listeners what James Norwood is is all about as a character and off the pitch and um by all accounts that's um 
that's eventually sort of gone against him with the club's new hierarchy. If you remember Mark Ashton talking on our podcast uh, several months ago, was talking a lot about culture and standards of of the football club going forwards. And I think it's just felt that that James Norwood has uh, doesn't doesn't fit that. So despite him coming back in pre-season in, in really good shape, from what I'm told, he was leading the way in several of the, the physical tests, some of the sprint tests, things like that. Um, Paul Cook was, you know, he obviously survived the, the, the big Paul Cook coal. There was a feeling that he was very much in the mix to compete for that central striking spot. But uh, another injury setback wasn't there quite early on in the season. And uh, we haven't seen a lot of him recently. So we've done a bit of digging after these two cup games. The fact that he couldn't make a, tw- uh, what was it, a 20-man squad for the FA Cup with, with nine on the bench raised a bit of a red flag. And uh, yeah, our understanding is he's been training with the 23s for several weeks and he's uh, on the transfer list as we head towards the January transfer window. Yeah, so we we are into what the final six or seven months, whichever way this shakes out, we're into the final six or seven months of his um, his Ipswich Town career, aren't we? Because he is out of contract next summer, and um, barring a real significant change during that time, you would think that that would now that would now signal the end of um, signal the end of his Ipswich career. There's, there's there'll be a market for him in January, won't there? He's a he's a goal scorer. Yes, he's had the, these hamstring issues particularly that seem to have niggled away at him, but his Ipswich goal record when he's been fit is decent. Um and his his clearly his goal scoring record before he came to Ipswich was very good. Um so I can't see there not being a a market for him in January, um despite clearly some, some off-field issues, but it's just about whether whether that market suits kind of Ipswich's agenda, isn't it? Because that there are there are teams that have shown interest in him. I'm sure some of them will come back to the table for a guy who can score goals. But um, you got to wonder what kind of agenda Ipswich might have in in terms of where they they'll allow him to go. Yeah, I, this is not going to be an easy deal to do all round. I think because you've got to have three parties agree when it comes to any any move, the, the seller, the buyer and the player, crucially as well. James Norwood, from what I understand, doesn't want to leave. He's been made it very clear from the summer onwards and, and to this very day, wants to fight for his place. Um, so that's a bit of a stumbling block straight away. You've got to find a, a club and a situation that that sort of turns his head, that he wants to go to. Ipswich themselves have got to be very wary of who they allow him to join because you could end up with some serious egg on your face. We understand people like Plymouth and Portsmouth showed interest in the summer. Imagine if he goes to a, a League One rival, League One promotion rival, and ends up scoring the goals that prevents Ipswich getting promoted. That 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 is not a good look, is it? Um, so. And and his wage as well. He's on a, he's on a good League One wage. Ipswich had to pay accordingly to attract him. Following relegation, there were Championship clubs after him. They got their man. It was seen as a real coup. So James Norwood isn't going to get the money that he's on now for this next move. He's he's two years older. There's injuries that have gone against him. So there's a lot of things that need to fall in place for for something to happen in January. Whether it, whether it's a sort of a loan just to get him back in the shop window heading into the summer. Uh, I don't know. So, um, But what, what is clear is that there's there's not a lot of game time ahead for him at, at Ipswich Town. 
Well, yes, um, I think I think the whole the whole thing is a sign of of where Ipswich are at as a club now. Clearly, as you've just said, he was kind of the marquee signing of Paul Lambert's first summer here, wasn't he? He was he was brought in to be the main man to score the goals, um, and there have been the we sort of talked about off field concerns. Those concerns go back to then that that they've been there the whole time. But but Paul Lambert, I would say, was not in a situation where he would really be able to to make this kind of decision regarding James Norwood because as as we so often said on this podcast so many times Stu he he was he was and for a long time you you would you would argue he was the best striker at the club wouldn't you and and you couldn't go out and replace him but now now we're talking about an Ipswich town that clearly have got Macaulay Bond on fire scoring scoring goals and in terms of kind of if you're talking about kind of buying into to projects and and sort of behave you couldn't maybe get a bit more polar opposite than Macaulay Bond the hometown hero boy done good and then James Norwood who maybe doesn't necessarily tick tick those boxes and then of course Joe Piggott as well Caden Jackson's still around so it's a very different landscape now right now isn't it compared to compared to maybe maybe where Paul Lambert was at with James Norwood for example yeah, uh, you didn't have this is a this, this is a luxury that Ipswich can take now in terms of sort of sidelining someone like James Norwood. They didn't have that option before because he was their only real chance of goals. Despite all the injuries, he's been top goal scorer in the first two seasons at the club. I think t- ten and eleven in his two seasons thus far, a goal every two games. I think it is if, if you work out his minutes goals per minute ratio. Um, but they're in a different space now at Switch Town, aren't they? And Mark Ashton said at the fans forum on, on Monday that we will be active in January. We'll, I think he used a, a reshuffle or a refresh in January. And you just, you know, that as much as Ipswich have got money to spend, there is FFP constraints. And maybe this sort of allows, makes it, makes it that bit more likely that you can do something on the Macaulay Bond front. If you can, uh, if, if you can get sort of James off, off the books, um, which, as I said before, is a big if. In terms of potential places to go, I know people have talked about Tram, a potential sort of romantic return to Tranmere, who that would certainly excite their fans. It was a place that he could go back and feel loved and accepted for who he is. Um, a six-month loan, score a load of goals in League Two, remind everybody what you're all about, and, and then have your pick of clubs in the summer. It's a big risk from the James Norwood uh, you know, camp because... If he goes there and it doesn't happen, then it makes the summer all the more likely. I, I can't see him dropping back down into into League Two. I think it would have to be a League One club, and then it's whether Ipswich are prepared to take that risk. Portsmouth is one that jumps off the page to me. He's from Eastbourne, down on the south coast, so geographically that that might that might suit James. He, he looks like a Danny Cowley type of striker to me, um, someone with that sort of edge that they've been short of, of strikers and goals for a little while so I wonder if the, the stars may align on for somewhere like that but we'll he's, def- he's definitely a Cowley type of striker I'm sure he'd have come of they'd have come across each other quite a lot wouldn't they when when the Cowley brothers were at, um were at Lincoln and James was scoring goals for for Tranmere in non-league they would have they'd have been aware of each other he he, he does fit the bill somewhere like that and Portsmouth maybe not 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 where we thought they might be in terms of in the league. So I think you're right. That would be one. Plymouth Plymouth is interesting. Um, I know they've had prior interest, um, but they've got they've got Hardy and and, and Luke Jeff got there scoring goals. I don't know if you disrupt that by by bringing in somebody else 
at this stage. Joey Barton has had interest before, both at Fleetwood and Bristol Rovers. But like you say, League Two, probably not now. It's going to be very interesting, but somebody somebody will get a striker who, with a bit of a point to prove, potentially, and um, and who's capable of scoring goals. But the whole the whole thing makes me a little bit sad, if I if I'm completely honest, because there's definitely there's definitely a really really good striker in there. He's a goal threat, pure goal threat. Um, the hamstring injuries have been a, a trouble, um, but it, it just makes me a little bit sad that it's not worked out because um, because really, as a football player, he's he's one that I I really enjoyed watching. Absolutely, I honestly think if you put him in this Ipswich Town team this season with the better players around him, he'd have the, he'd be on the same number of goals as Macaulay Bond, or he'd be around that mark. Um, just the injuries has just been such a shame, hasn't it? It's been a killer. This is a man who was who was churning out 45, 50 game seasons year after year. And then suddenly he arrives at Ipswich and the injury curse strikes. I think he did an interview with you after his first season saying how he'd been playing through the pain for, for most of those games. As soon as he would sort of get fully fit again, there'd be a hamstring would go or, or you know, just string of muscle injuries, weren't they? But he's a good player. He's got that competitive edge. He's a good all-rounder. He knows where the goal is. And off the pitch, I know people will have their opinions on him being this sort of larger-than-life character. And it's not to he's not everyone's cup of tea. But I found it quite refreshing in some ways that he kind of broke the mould of a of your usual footballer, someone who had an opinion, someone who has a personality. Ipswich knew full well what they were buying into. That reputation was fully cemented by the time he came to Ipswich Town. Um but the goalpost have changed. It's a, it's a new club now, isn't it? It's not the club that signed James Norwood. It's a new era. And uh, ultimately, I guess he, do, he doesn't fit that that new era. Yeah, and he could well be just the latest in a long line of people that have moved on from last from last season. So the reason that obviously this all came to a bit of, of a head and it's pretty clear that he's not he wasn't in the picture because he wasn't involved in either of the two cup games that we've uh, we've not talked about on, on podcasts. So um, we're... We're here on Thursday morning. Uh, Ipswich are still in the FA Cup. They uh, just about managed to get a replay out of a home game with Oldham. And remarkably, they've also gone through as group winners in the Papa John's Trophy um, after some some sanctions were handed out to to West Ham. So um, it's been a a busy week of cup football, an interesting week of of cup football that also included a nil-nil draw with Colchester, the return of Luke Chambers and a penalty shootout victory so uh it's been a, a funny old week which on the on the face of it has include included two draws with league two teams um but yet i don't think that's really done an awful lot to kind of dampen the enthusiasm that came out of a a four one a four a four one win at, at wickham i i would say it's um mm. It's funny old, funny old times. It's, yeah, it's not, it's not added to the feel good factor yeah. after that that Wickham win, but I don't think, I don't think it's killed it either. Um, might I'm kind of maybe I'm, I'm trying to find the positives, but it might be a little timely reminder that they haven't cracked it yet, and just keep everybody's feet on the floor going into these three really big League One games against Oxford, Sunderland, and, and Rotherham. Um, the Oldham game was was disappointing. There's no getting away from it at all. Cook's gone with the, I keep saying an unchanged team. It wasn't quite, was it? It was the team that finished against Wickham because of um, 
the Hayden Colson injury and Burgess coming on, but went, went with this, you know, he said he'd go strong. He did go strong, didn't get the memo, obviously, that Ipswich Town managers are meant to make 10, 11 changes for FA Cup games. And um, I think everyone knows now the, the narrative from that game. Ipswich started really, really well, got in front and then just got horribly complacent. I think they just thought they'd won the game at that point. The tempo slowed. It was all a bit sideways and, and Oldham suddenly realised, hang about, they're showing us a bit of, uh, well, there's a game to be had here and didn't heed the warning signs. Oldham gradually got back into it, um, got the equaliser and in the end it required a penalty save in, in the second half to keep it switched town in the cup and uh, off we go to Boundary Park next week. We still haven't had the date confirmed for that, have we? Yeah, it has. It's Tuesday. It's it? Tuesday. Tuesday. And the, okay. and, and, and the prize due is a home clash with Barrow. So uh, there's something, there's something for everyone, everyone to play for. And then, uh, then t- Tuesday night, as we've just said, nil nil draw at home to Colchester. Fairly entertaining, actually. Um, much changed side f- for Ipswich. Uh, fairly entertaining game. Some ch- early chances for Ipswich, uh, not not taken. Um, close to penalties. Town win it, and uh, ultimately that's enough for them to. Uh, we thought on the night the winner that they were they were playing penalties to decide who who went through in second place um ultimately it turned out that penalty shootout was to decide who went through as group winners because west ham had a ineligible player on the pitch for their game at gillingham um turns out the efl had made that decision prior to the game and had not announced it so um well that that's oh, sensible isn't it because you you'd trash the integrity of the competition if you had two teams playing a game that and you counted for nothing, so well, exactly. Um, and I will not have the integrity of the Papa John's trophy brought into brought into any question whatsoever. Despite the fact, Stu, there was still no sign of any sort of pizza whatsoever at these games, which um, it's not on really. If I'm completely honest, not on, <laughs> <laughs> not on indeed. But but town are through group winners in that, which means a home home tie, and that's being drawn. Um, it's being drawn on Saturday. Yeah, I was I was pleased about that news. Um, West Ham getting kicked out because the the, the prospect of um, getting another horrible, even though it's still a southern regionalised draw in the next round, we know from uh, previous experience you can still end up going to somewhere like Exeter and I think Bristol Rovers and Swindon and Forest Green were, were all sort of possibilities still so a nice a nice home draw next time around i think there's a couple of under 21 size chelsea and there's another one Vi- of the Vi- villa villa okay so their, their potentials at, at portman road um steven gerrard's aston villa or steven, obviously yeah. obviously not managing the under 21s but that's no. what they're called that's what they're called now so uh that was good and I, and i thought the performance in general was was better. Um, I thought that that was a. Re- I quite enjoyed it as a as a spectacle. I think if you'd have turned up and paid your ten, eleven, twelve quid, I think uh, on the night you'd have gone away having quite enjoyed the game. It wasn't a bad nil nil draw, was it? It's which had lots of uh, possession, created lots of chances. They did everything. The cliche, everything but score, really, which is obviously the important thing at the end of it. But. Um, Force loads of corners, entertaining game. Colchester did sit very deep. You know, their game plan was to sit men behind the ball, be organised. They were difficult to break down. They were a threat on the counter themselves. Ipswich could have won it, could have lost it, couldn't they? Um, uh, in the end, it went to a, a shootout, and that, that was a good shootout itself. A couple of couple of saves with the first two. Some really good penalty conversions. Selena, Aluko, yeah. right in the corner. And uh, the last one comes 
back off the inside of the post and um that's a shootout classic Stu that is an absolute classic and if you you want one that comes off the inside of the post goes behind the goalkeeper's arm and across the face of the goal pure jeopardy that's that's exactly what you want Bursant Salina's penalty you couldn't get more Bursant Salina like than that could you super cool roll it roll it in I think Cook joked after the game that he'd happily watch uh, every every one of his players take uh, penalties like that one and um yeah job job was done so on I think we, I thought we'd maybe take these two cup games as a whole and just um maybe take it in turns just to chuck out chuck out something that we learned something that we saw something that we liked from um from these from these two games um and maybe just discuss a few of them backwards and forwards a bit of tennis and then uh, then move on to something else I don't know do you do you want to go first or do you want, do you want me to serve uh, I'll serve if you want um I'll I'll oh. start at the very <laughs> Was that a little Sharapova grunt? Yes, it I don't was. Know if, I don't know if I liked that down my headphones. Uh... Um, no. Christian Walton, I'm going to start at the very back of the team with the goalkeeper. Christian Walton is key for Ipswich Town. I think we were, we were discussing his influence after the, uh, the Wickham game. He's obviously come up trumps with a, a really good penalty save against Oldham. And then by contrast... Vasklav Hladky, mm. fortunately, went back to the uh, the player that we saw at the start of the season, had a, a serious case of the jitters on Tuesday night against Colchester, um, got out of jail in the in stoppage time when he was miles off his line and presented the ball straight to Shea Cooper, who wasn't able to find the open goal from 30, 35 yards out. Yes, he's made a good save in, in the shootout, to be fair to him, but... Um, just a reminder that Christian Walton now is uh, is very much the nailed on number one, and I think is is going to be key going forwards. Yeah, I think we I think we have an undisputed number one on our on our on our hands there. Um, I, I like how just how calm he is coming coming for high balls. That's the big thing for me with him. All goalkeepers can make can make saves. Um, I think every goalkeeper playing in the top four divisions in this country could have saved could have saved that penalty at the weekend. But fair play to him, good save. The Wickham save the other week was spectacular, but just the way he takes high balls and handles that area between his line and the penalty box is, is really, really good. I don't know how far you'd have to work beyond Bart, but I think he's better at that than Bart. Um, beyond there, you're going, I don't know who you would say, Stu. I didn't really see kind of the Loach, Scott Loach, Begovic. I didn't really watch them. Um, for Ipswich, but you're going back a significant distance for me to find an Ipswich keeper that can dominate that area of his box quite so well. I don't know how what you would think about how far back that would go. Uh, you're putting me on the spot there now. You're going back a little way, aren't you? But um, you're right. I mean, Bart, Bart was a fantastic goalkeeper, but was based more around the uh, cliche Claxon, good shot stopper, you know, someone that pulled off remarkable reflex saves, but I, I wouldn't say sort of dominating aerially was his forte necessarily. And uh, especially at League One level, that you can't underestimate how important it is, someone who can come and claim those high crosses and, and take the pressure off. So, yeah, Walton is key. And uh, the serve goes back to you. Uh, uh, that was a sliced second serve. Um, I quite like the look of Scott Fraser in a deeper midfield role. Um he played. That's where he played on on Tuesday night in the Colchester game alongside Raheem Harper, and I, I think it allowed him to get on the ball a little bit more and you and use it. Um, Cook wants those players to kind of change the play, spread the play, and and I think he was able to do that. He was able to get forward a little bit, link with Chaplin, um, particularly Chaplin. Um, 
And I quite liked that. I think we, we maybe struggled to find a, a place in the team for, for Fraser because it looks like your, your number 10s are getting sorted as being Selena and or Chaplin. Kyle Edwards is on the left, which is where we saw Fraser start the season. And you're starting to wonder where he fits in in terms of a start. But if he can play in all three of those positions, um, that gives him a little bit more chance of getting game time because clearly clearly he's a very good player. Yeah, almost too good to not... He's a player that has got the technical ability that you need to get in your team. He's been much talked about as being one of League One's best players for for several years. Um, he's obviously had a little bit of a knee injury and it sounds like that's not... He's not fully beyond that. It sounds like it's swelling up a little bit. He's had some injections. So um, whether that plays a part in, in Saturday's selection, we're jumping ahead a little bit here now, but... Uh, with Carroll still injured, we haven't heard much about him for a while. Nolan, likewise, it's an alternative option um, to put in there. A uh, little bit of left-footed balance. You could have him alongside Morsi. Morsi doing the, the leg work if you wanted to take Evans out at some point. He's someone that can maybe unlock the door from deep. All I would say is that Colchester did sit off quite a lot. And that did give him and Rakeem Harper, who we saw back in that deeper role, a lot of time and space on the ball to pull those strings might not quite be the same in a, in a hurly burly league one tie necessarily, but um, it's nice to know that options there with, with Scott Fraser, because mm. um, I, I think he's a player that I like to see in the team. I like watching him. Yeah. I, I still think that they're, they're missing a viable kind of Morsi alternative in this squad. Um, clearly we've seen Evans kind of try and play that role before, before, um, before Morsi arrived, um, it's not. I don't think it's Harper's game, is it? Um, so I'd wonder if that would maybe be an area they'd look at in January. Potentially difficult to go and find a, a backup. Um, but do you know uh, who the closest thing they've got to a Sammy Morsi replacement at the moment? Idris El Mazouni, I would say, who's just signed his new contract. He was suspended, which we didn't realise he was. He <laughs> was suspended uh, for the Papadrons game on Tuesday. Um, but he signed. They announced a new contract. New uh, contract till twenty twenty four. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just before the game, and he's really impressed me. When we've seen him in the fits and starts this season, playing in that deeper role, he looks tenacious. Looks like he, we've known him from twenty threes football as being someone who's played further forward. But I really like him in in that deeper midfield role. He'd be in terms of it'd be a big shout for him to leapfrog above the likes of a Harper or a Fraser if if and when Morsi is not available because there's a suspension around the corner with Sam Morsi. There always is because of the number of bookings he gets. I've quite liked Idris there and I think he gets stuck in and I think um, he's the closest thing they've got to him. So um, we'll see on that front. I'm glad Ipswich realised he was suspended because that's exactly what West Ham didn't do. They played a player who was booked in the first two trophy games in the, in the third one and... Uh... Well done, us. Stuart Hayton, club yeah. secretary. He's all yeah. over stuff like that. One of the best in the biz. Well done, Stuart. He's also all over the Kings of Anglia podcast, isn't he, Stu? He loves he loves the podcast. He has said he he, he listens while doing the ironing sometimes. So um, good shout to have you on to, board, Stu. Shout out, secretary. Um, your your backhand shot. I've played it. I've played it deep into deep onto your backhand. What are you what are you going to return to me? Uh, what else can we say from these two games? Uh, Sonia yeah. Luco, I thought was... Do you want me to do the noise? Yes. Ah! Nice. Um, Sonia Luco, I thought, was uh, 
was very lively on, on Tuesday night. We're talking about, Paul Cook said, the players had the shirts after Wickham, hence why he named this the same team again for, close enough, same team again for the FA Cup game. And that performance put those shirts back on the table. And um, nine changes on Tuesday night, which then raises the question, who took those shirts off the table ahead of Saturday's game against Oxford? As much as we've said it was a better performance, I don't think there was loads of individuals that jumped off the page. But Sonia Luco, I would say, alongside Scott Fraser, who we've discussed, is one that's really put himself back in the frame. He'd come in and scored a few goals, hadn't he? Um, and I thought he was he was really good. He sort of glides past people. He's got a trick. He can, uh, he can beat a marker. He was the one that most looked like he was going to make something happen, certainly in that first half. And again, I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit here to uh, potential teams for the weekend. But we finished that game when poor old Kane Vincent Young went off injured again, which we might talk about in a minute. We finished that game with Wes Burns at right back and Sonia Luco ahead of him on the right. Now, I, I don't think that's impossible for the weekend. And people will go, what about poor Janoy Danassian, who's been in top form? What about him at left back? Someone's going to have to play at left back, and that was going to be my next my next shot. Actually, is that um, I'm not sure about Cameron Burgess as a left back. Um, I I think that was maybe a, a case of Paul Cook um, not looking to rock things too much. I think he wanted to go with an unchanged side, which, as you've said, ultimately meant Burgess playing at left back against Oldham. But he ain't no he ain't no left back. I think he's a a situational left back that can can uh, can do jobs as and when required. He's done it at Lincoln. He's dealt with aerial balls. Um, he's done it at Wickham when things were a li that little bit more physical. But in a game like that against Oldham, and, and it's uh, certainly in a game against Oxford at the weekend, he's um, he's not he's not a left-back. So they're going to need one. Um, Coulson, you'd imagine, still out. Um, so then you're thinking Matt Penny. Matt Penny had a bit of a nightmare in his last game at, at Plymouth. So... Yeah, Janassian's played a lot of um, a lot of football there, isn't he? So, so why not? He's a pure pure defender. I think he I think he could do it. No, no question. Absolutely, and I think Ipswich. If we're talking about then what what happens on the left in front, I think Carl Edwards might be one that is in the amber zone in terms of sort of losing his his place. He's uh, he's exciting. He's electric to watch, but the goals and the assists and the the final contributions haven't been quite there. He's the only one really in that attacking unit that haven't done it. Selena, a, a pleasant surprise that he's available. He's told Kosovo he didn't want to go away with them. Um, I think he he plays at number 10. I think you want to get potentially have Chaplin in the team as well on the left. Those two we saw back, going back to Lincoln sort of dovetailed quite nicely, but neither of them, unlike Carl Edwards, they don't necessarily provide as much defensive cover. So Janoy Danassian is a more stay-at-home left back, which is a position he's played before, might might be useful on that side. And I know people will say Wes Burns at right back, really, someone who scored goals and, and had assists and been really exciting. I think he can have that exact same impact playing from deeper. Um, he's, you know, he caught the eye for Fleetwood against Ipswich playing in that, that deeper right back role. So um, that's, that's a little situation that I've got in my mind heading into the weekend. We'll get on to some more Oxford chat in a minute, but we might we might as well continue with with this sort of theme now. For for me, I'm not 
against seeing Wes Burns as a right back, but I'm not sure this game is the one for for that. I think I, if it was me, I think I'd be going that bit more flat with um, Danassian and probably probably Penny. Um, what I would love is for Kane Vincent Young's shoulder problem to not to not be an issue, and then you can mm. think Kane Vincent Young and Janoi Danassian as your fullbacks, both of them capable of playing either side. That's what that's what I would like to see. Um, I don't know whose shot it is in the in the tennis match. Um, I think I, I think I've played a nice little chip into the into the net area with Burgess, just a little, <clears throat> and then you're you're coming scampering into the net to try and scoop one back over with with something else. What have you got? Uh, I just want to express a bit of sympathy for Kane Vincent Young. Really, at this stage, um, absolutely gutted for him. He's uh, he was just starting to look like the Kane Vincent Young of old. We we all know his story. He's come in from Colchester. He was absolutely electric for nine games, I think it was, in that first League One season. And then injury setback after injury setback. He's lost virtually two years of his career. He'd come back at the start of this season, looked a shadow of his former self, looked like a player that had lost a bit of confidence, physically wasn't quite up to speed. He's dipped out for a little while. He's seen Janoi Danassian come in and, and play really well. But back into the team he's come for the last three matches, I think it was. And you're thinking, here we go. He's getting, this is Kane again. He was getting forwards, step overs, was a threat going forwards. Got that that pace back again. And then Frank Nubel, I think it was, clatters into him with a with a firm but fair tackle, to be fair, just, be, just before half time. And he goes down and he stays down and he's grimacing and he's holding his shoulder, which I've looked back. It's the other shoulder. He dislocated his shoulder at the back end of last season and had an operation on that. And it's his other one that he seems to be sort of cradling this time as he goes off. So we don't know the damage. We hope it's a short-term one, but um, just really feel for him. Certain players just seem to have no luck and he's certainly been been one of those. And it's it's always worse when they're one of the nice guys and Kane Vincent Young is certainly one of those. Okay. Um where have you played your little shot on the tennis court? What am I dealing with here? Uh, I've scrambled to the net. I've managed to sort of lob it back over you, and you're not. You're now backpedalling. I don't know if you're going to try a little sort of through, oh, through the leg can shot. I? Yeah, you can if you like. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in danger of hitting myself somewhere where it might hurt with the with the racket here, but I'm going to try it anyway. Just a just a little through the leg shot to say that I quite enjoyed watching Luke Chambers captain a team against Ipswich Town um, on Tuesday night. Colchester captain um, with Tommy Smith away on in, on international duty. Um, must have been a, a slightly odd experience for him, um, sort of not being allowed to park in the car park uh, at Portman Road and having to, to park park elsewhere using the you away dress. you can just pull up and just circle no. the space with the finger and just say, this is my not pass. A, no, that pass has been revoked. Um, can't Can't do it. Um, using the away dressing room, like doing the doing the toss and not changing the teams round and like not kicking towards the north stand in the in the second half. Um, and uh, yeah, just a strange experience for him. I thought he was fine defensively. He had some moments, didn't he, where Louis Barry tested him a little bit. Had a couple of decent decent tackles and blocks in there as well. Um, a few jeers during the game, but after it. Um, after it, he got a really nice kind of reception from the from the Ipswich fans in in the ground. Uh, some of them wanted a, a a Chambers fist pump to the north stand, which um, 
did have a very brief word after him, and I, I don't think he uh, he fancied doing that uh, after a right, after a de- after so. a de- yeah after a defeat in different in different colours. But um, yeah, as as much as we, I don't think we need to go into the the Luke Chambers debate um, again. We, we we've kind of had that. Many, many times. All, all I'll say here, is but... that whatever you thought of him as a player towards those final few years or whatever, there's no denying that that man gave blood, sweat and tears to the football club and was robbed of the send-off that he deserved mm. during the during the COVID season. And it's it's not quite the same the way it's sort of coming back on Tuesday night, but at least he got something, at least some people, you know, you would imagine the people that were there, 8,000 or so on, on Tuesday night, are among the hardcore element of football fans and, and they gave him the, the the recognition, I think the respectful recognition that, that he deserved. Nothing too over the top, just a nice yeah. warm ovation, which is what he deserves. It's a shame Cole Scoos couldn't be there as well to to get the same really. He was he was injured, uh, as was Alan Judge. Um but it was a, certainly a strange experience seeing some of the old guard as well. Freddie Sears playing up front as a striker. That's been uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, a reminder that he uh, that is his actual position. And I tell you what, he was he was a bit of a threat playing right off that last strike uh, off that last shoulder, wasn't he? he gave Cameron Burgess yeah. a few um, turning, getting Cameron Burgess on the turn towards his own goal isn't isn't where he's comfortable, is it? And um, yeah, it was a. A reminder that he can be that, and also a reminder that in those one-on-one situations, Freddie Steers still isn't the um, the man that you'd necessarily uh, gamble your mortgage on scoring. There was one where he got clear in the first half and was just just a bit too hesitant, and uh, and the the goalkeeper in defence recovered, which we'd we'd seen a few times with Ipswich before, hadn't we? But um, yeah, strange seeing them all back in Ipswich playing in that. What colour are we calling that Colchester kit, Andy? Uh, cat sick. Okay. Camouflage cat sick is that kit. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, right, the shot's gone back. Oh, by the way, I think we're going to see them again at Portman Road because I think it's not impossible. If, it, if Ipswich don't get promoted this season, and we really hope they do, um, there's every there's every chance they're in the same Papa John's trophy group again next year although the game would be at, actually the game would be at Colchester they'd flip it but um we'll see them play Ipswich again if not then it'll be in pre-season so uh yep got all that fun to have again right shots gone through my legs Stu I've avoided hitting myself in my in my shaven crown jewels and um the ball is in play if you want to really you should just be smashing it smashing it at this point with probably the last point okay um bah, bah, bah. Let, let's these these are just observations. Now, we was robbed on Tuesday night of the potential to see Miles Kenlock take another penalty for Ipswich Town. Miles Kenlock, who who's not even registered for Ipswich Town's league squad, slightly head scratchingly seems to kind of get recalled despite not playing any twenty threes football all season. He suddenly gets parachuted back in for these. Not true, Stu. He got sent games. off. He got sent off for the under twenty threes last week. He does That's play. Right. He does play twenty. He hasn't played. He hasn't <laughs> played a lot, has he? And when he when he did recently, he got sent off. So you are you're quite correct. But in he comes for for the trophy, and I'm thinking, yes, we're going to see the John Travolta again, which uh, people might remember from the uh, the Peterborough penalty shootout win in in the trophy. Uh, was that season one or two of of League One football? See, uh, season one. See, the trophy does give us these moments. People do, people, people like knock this competition, but we keep going back to moments. Barry Cotter gave us a moment in that same game. Idris El Mazzouni's only goal for Ipswich came in that game. 
Miles Kenlock's penalty. You love Miles Kenlock's penalty, and that's I come do. from the trophy. So, like, we, I know, I know, there's a lot of hate going around for it, but look at all these moments that that wouldn't exist were it not for the trophy. <laughs> but we didn't get to it because he went off ill at half time. It's, apparently, he was uh, he was ill the day before the game. He declared himself fit to play, but. Uh, <laughs> Was vomiting at half time, Paul Cook said. So he he had to come off. And for the second successive game, Paul Cook has had to substitute both of his fullbacks at half time, which he really doesn't want to do. He's made it pretty clear that he wants to make all three of his substitutions ideally at the top end of the pitch to keep up that attacking intensity. But things keep going against him on on that front. But uh, we were robbed of a, a Miles Kenlock penalty, and uh, I'm surprised that Luke Chambers didn't take one himself. To be quite honest, I thought he'd have been. Uh, bang up for that, maybe running across to uh, celebrating Paul Cook's face as well. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was hoping for something like that, but um, no, he didn't take one. Um, he, he went and won the, uh, he, sorry, he went and lost the toss. And I think by the time he'd got back to the huddle where uh, Colchester had sorted out who were taking them. And uh, in the end, that's it was what, Shea Cooper yeah. who took the last one. He's uh, 18, isn't he? Yeah, that, that's what Luke told me. We'll see. Uh, how do you reckon he'd have taken a penalty? Is he a smasher? Do you reckon he's a th- like Maguire? Was it Maguire's penalty in the fu- the Euros final? Just mm-hmm. absolutely thump it into the top corner. Or that's um, how all defenders yeah. should take penalties. I think that should be legally binding. Julian Dix, David Unsworth, just Bang. get your laces through it. Yeah, you always give yourself a chance. Right. Uh, that's the end of the. That's the end of the tennis game. Game set match. Watson. Um, perfect opportunity then to. Uh, Give a little shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped, uh, who are still with us after many, many months. Um, so we thank them for that. And you can uh, you can get 20% off all of their fun and games, nose hair trimmers, blow the waist grooming solutions, aftershaves, uh, all sorts. Get, get 20% off and free shipping with our special code, which is KOA at manscaped.com. Um, we'll move on from Manscaped to a man that you met for the first time. On Monday nights, too. Um, Ed Edgeforts, who is a member of Ipswich Town's board uh, from ORG, uh, the group that represents the Arizona Pension Fund, um, he's in town, and he he got to see a penalty shootout. Brett Johnson got this beautiful uh, Bersan Selina last minute winner. Edgeforts first visit, and he's getting penalty shootouts. More moments in the trophy. Exactly. Ed Sheeran only does the trophy. Ed Schwartz, the man behind the billions underpinning Ipswich Town now, his first game is in the trophy. It's the competition that keeps on giving, Andy. Exactly. And <laughs> and you need to get on board with it because you're going to get left behind. if uh, it's, The train is moving out of the station and I don't know if you're on it yet. I'm on um, it. You're certainly on it now that there's no midweek away trip to Exeter. I think that may be helps you get on the train a little bit more. But um, you spent a little bit of time with Ed on, on Monday night, didn't you, before he then answered questions from um, from supporters at a really interesting fans forum um, on, mon- on Monday evening. Um, first of all, what, what, did, what did you um, what did you make of make of Ed? Because he's a he's not the public face of all of this, but he's a pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely. For all the talk about the three lions and uh, they're the kind of forward-facing element of the uh, the American end of the, of the takeover. Ed Schwartz is the man kind of holding the purse strings um, alongside Mark Steed with the Arizona pension um, fund that we know where the money's coming from. So Ed jetted in on Monday morning, went straight to Ipswich, had a day of, of pack meetings, seeing the stadium for the first time, spending a lot of time with Mark Ashton. And then we managed to get a, 
a 15 20 minute chat with him um some of the media before he um went on stage as it were to to address the fans directly and um really the big question to to ed was why why a pension fund would get involved in a in a football club which notoriously in england lose lots of money um and how quickly i think everyone wants to know do you want a return on investment and um wasn't able to to drill deep down into those subjects but um I guess the bullet points from that chat is that this is a long-term commitment. Yes, obviously, it's, this is going to be run as a as a business. Ultimately, they do need a return on investment. This is not a, an, like some billionaires buy football clubs as you use the phrase an ego play as a toy. This is this is purely business. And uh, but they just felt that getting Ipswich Town, they're getting a, a big institution with a huge fan base great facilities at a knockdown price ultimately and it was too good an opportunity to turn down and uh but just reiterating that this is a long-term commitment and that they will do things right and that ultimately just like marcus evans when the time does come for them to to cash in their chips uh they will be very responsible in terms of how they hand it on again they want to leave a real lasting legacy at this football club so um, spoke very enthusiastically, said that you know they were confident about this investment when they did the deal, and they're even more confident about it now they've actually got in and seen the workings of things and, and seen how things are moving. So a nice positive chat with him. He's not quite the sort of outgoing character as um, you know Brett Johnson and some of the others are, maybe a little bit more reserved. He was asked what his kind of director's box demeanour might be at these games. And he said he, he might not be leaping around the same as, as Brett was when we saw those pictures recently. But he said, you never know uh, that the, the emotion and the occasion might get to him. It's pretty clear that he's all in on this as a fan. He's not someone who's grown up as a football fan. He admits that. But he was telling Brenner Woolley, as soon as Brenner Woolley introduced himself, he said, ah, you're the guy that does the iFollow commentary. I've been listening to all of that. I've been watching all the games at all the hours of the day. Um, you know, th- these guys are, are all in on this as fans as much as they are from the business perspective. Good. It's good to hear, isn't it? He's he's not um he's nothing. He's got no links to kind of the Phoenix le- end of things. He's from Ohio, isn't he? He's uh, a Cleveland, a Cleveland guy, I believe. So that's um that's all getting spread around the United States a little bit. Um, and then he moved on onto the top table of the fans forum as well, didn't he? With, um, with Mark Ashton, Mike O'Leary and Paul Cook. Um, Stu, I think I could listen to Mike O'Leary talk at length for, for a significant period of time. I really, I really enjoy hearing, uh, hearing what Mike, Mike's got to say. There's some dry humour there and, and the real sense from not just him, but obviously the, the other guys at the table as well, that there's a, there's some firm hands on, Ipswich Town's tiller at the moment. Um, he's, um, yeah, it all it all comes across really quite nicely. These these fans forums, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's it's night and day, isn't it, to what what we had before? Uh, just in terms of accessibility, transparency, um, everything Ipswich Town fans had been crying out for um, is there now that you've got. You're sat there, you've got the one of the main money men from, from the ownership. You've got the chief executive who's running things on a day-by-day basis, the manager uh, and the chairman all sitting there and answering all manner of questions. And they were quite happy to ask answer stuff from sort of the financial commitment of the owners all the way down to 
Um, flies outside Portman Road, pies, parking fines, everything. Um, and they answered that they took them all in their stride. They um, they gave everybody their time, an hour and a half. And uh, it was a really enjoyable evening, actually. Like you say, there was a bit of humour in there as well. Um, so it's great. And they, they promised that they would do these. They wouldn't just be sort of one-offs during the honeymoon period, that they would do these regularly, regularly win, lose or draw. And uh, that, that second one went really well. Is there anything you, you particularly want? I don't, we, we don't need to go into kind of everything that was said. There's plenty of it on our on our websites. There's a few bits on there, isn't there, all, already from that. But is there, is there anything that you particularly came away from that being interested interested to hear? I'll be honest, I quite enjoyed the, just the, the level of detail that Mike O'Leary was willing to go into about what needs to be done to renovate the pitch. I just quite, I just, just it's just that level of detail that I, I really in, enjoyed because it, it, it does at least convince you that they're, is fundamental. Like sometimes you just hear, yet yeah, there are challenges to overcome, and you 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 come away from that thinking, are there, or mm. or is it just, or is, is is stuff just not progressing? But you t- you hear him talking about big screens and high voltage cables that need to be watched out for in case they kill the floodlights and electrocute everyone. About needing to punch a hole in the side of the stadium, and that needs planning permission. That there's drainage issues with the pitch, and that needs to be done because the new pitch will drain a lot more water than the old one, and you need to work out where the water goes. And just, just I don't know, just hearing those details just makes me um, just makes me feel like there's there's dev- like everything is going to happen. I, 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 I don't know about you. That's just how I feel. Yeah, Come, coming yeah, away it's, from a, it's, that. A, it's a level of reassurance, isn't there? That they're aware of things. And they're working on them. That is ultimately what the vibe that you're getting back every time Mark Ashton speaks. Um, there was lots of n- nice little interesting nuggets in there. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it back as an hour and a half. Uh, we've we've got you some bullet points with the live coverage. So people can go back through that at their own leisure. But the big takeaway really was the accessibility, the transparency, the openness, the togetherness between board, management, fans in the room. Um so yeah, just that feeling of things like you say being in being in good hands. Okay, that's that's kind of off the pitch stuff, cup stuff done. Um, a little break from League One action has been and gone, and, and uh, this weekend it's Oxford United rolling into rolling into Portman Road, a team that in Ipswich at least we've always seen some pretty good games between the two teams, not quite the same at, at the Kassam stadium, but I, I quite enjoy watching Carl Robinson's teams play. Um, um, it's another game against one of the, the sides right at the top. What are you thinking from this one, Stu? If, if it's me, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that it's going to be a really nice open, open game of football between two managers that don't really know how to do anything other than that. So you'd think You'd think that should produce um, should produce a pretty good game of football. Yeah, I hope so. There was a time when it was always nil nil between Ipswich and Oxford, wasn't it? But um, I I know we've just had a nil nil, but I, I would be very very surprised if we get another one there this weekend. Oxford um, Oxford have obviously finished in the playoffs two years in a row. They've started to hit a bit of form recently. I think four four wins and then a draw in the FA Cup coming in into this one. A lot of names we already know, people like Gorin in midfield, Matty Taylor up front. Um, so, ultimately, it's, yeah, should be a good game between two teams, as you say, that like to, to go on the attack, score goals. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what Mr Cook does with his team after the, this little break mm-hmm. from cup football. 
Yeah, it's um, Oxford are kind of a four-three-three staunch four-three-three team. It, it, Paul Cook is a staunch kind of four-two-three-one. Robinson has mixed it up a little bit, but only to mix it up to play the same formation that Cook plays. So it should be um, should be a fairly open open game. I really I do really like Gorin. That he's a sitting kind of a sitting midfielder. Um, just breaks up play and allows everyone else around him to play. Um, he nearly saying that I think he nearly scored from the halfway line. Um, at the weekend, but they've got some players. I re- I like Marcus McGuane, who's um, I think he's been on the bench a little bit recently. But he's is he, is he used to be at Barcelona, is it him? Yes, he's a former Barcelona player. I like him. They signed Ryan Williams in the summer, Taylor, like you've said, um, Henry in midfield. Still got um, James Henry, who provides yeah. goals. Steve Steve Seddon at left back is someone that's oh, yeah, played yeah. at a higher level as well. Herbie Kane on loan from Barnsley, Cameron Brannigan, who had. Plenty of suitors in in the summer, so they'll be wanting to be in and around the top six mix again this season. Um, Ipswich have had a couple of statement wins at Portsmouth and at Wickham, but I think to truly ignite this season, now we could do with an, with one of those at Portman Road in these in these next week or so because the home form. I had a look at it. It's it's played twelve, and they've only won three of those in all competitions. That's Don, the Doncaster thrashing six nil, Shrewsbury, which they made hard work of, and Fleetwood, which obviously they required a, a late goal from. So um, maybe a little lift off moment at Portman Road would just really sort of get that momentum ball rolling rolling again for Ipswich Town. They're taking the lead in a lot of these games, but they haven't seen enough of them out. Um, so, yeah, set set the tone in this one, Ipswich, because you've got Sunderland and Rotherham to come after that. Um, but this, I think this could suit Ipswich. These more open technical games suit Ipswich more. I know they came out the wrong side of it at Plymouth just, but gave them a really good game. Plymouth beat Oxford 3-1 recently. So, um, you know, if there's a vulnerability, it's maybe when teams go toe to toe in a in a proper football match from Oxford. So um we'll see. Yeah, you got the team that's currently top of the, the last six game form table. That's Oxford against the team fourth in in Ipswich. Um in that time, Ipswich have scored fifteen goals and Oxford have scored sixteen, and they both conceded seven. So in terms of kind of evenly matched sides, um, you don't get more evenly matched than this. We've talked about fullbacks uh, in terms of what what we think may or may not happen in terms of fullback but what what about the other nine nine positions on on the pitch is there any anything that you would you would consider I'm looking and talking maybe the, the, the spine of the team of what Walton Edmonton and Enciala then Morsi and Evans Selena is the 10 and Bon up top that's non-negotiable would you would you say yeah Bon's nailed on um Joe Piggott was Rusty, I thought on Tuesday, understandably so. He's, he's had a handful of minutes since having a really good game against Gillingham in the trophy. Paul Cook said at that fans forum that he, he'd had Piggott in his office on Monday apologising for his, his lack of minutes, but just basically said it's it's becoming impossible to take Macaulay Bon off the pitch, basically, which is understandable. But um, Bon will, bon will come straight back in for this one. Selena. Surprise availability means I think I, I thought he added a real spark to the game on Tuesday when he came on. Um, I think he'll play. I think um, then it's the other areas that he might freshen up. Maybe a Chaplin and a Luco to to come in. 
um, Edwards to drop out. I tell you where there might be. We talked about Fraser. Fraser for Evans, I've got as a question mark. I, I think maybe the knee injury might just delay that happening and Evans will come back in. The only other question mark I've got, Andy, is is Wolfenden slash Enciala. Toto had a bit of an error for the goal against Oldham. I thought uh, Wolfie was was his usual calm, collected, steady self on Tuesday night. I'd be surprised if that happened, though. I think that, that would be harsh on, on Toto, who I think has started to form a decent, solid uh, centre-half relationship with, with Edmondson. Would you... In that scenario, if Toto was to drop out the side, and uh, for me, for me, he wouldn't. I'd certainly be going with him again. Would Would Wolfenden be ahead of Burgess? In your thinking, uh, now, yes, for me personally, I don't mm. know. I don't know if Cook would feel the same. I'm not. Haven't been massively sold on Burgess so far. I think he's got a role to play, and like you say, in situations, in games, he's come on at Lincoln and Wickham, as you mentioned, add some physicality. But maybe in these sort of games, you could argue that Wolfenden, I think, helps you play out from the back at that that little bit more, um, potentially. Um, but I, I think it will be Enciala and Edmondson again. Ultimately, the team I've got written down here, I think, is three changes, ultimately, from the sort of the Wickham-Oldham games. I don't think it's... Uh, I think that's sort of the region of changes that will, will be made. Fair enough. You? Um well, the team I've got written down is, is it depends on fitness, but I've got Walton, Danassian, Edmondson, and Ciala, Penny, uh, assuming Vincent Young's not fit, Morsi and Evans, then Burns, Selena, Edwards, Bond. Um, I, I don't think, I don't, for me, I don't think this game, and while I'm not against seeing Wes Burns at a right back, and he's without a doubt a better option there than the, the Guion Edwards years. Of, do you remember that? When he was, when he was the right back wing option. Um, not for me, just in the, not in this game. Um, not in this game. I'd, I'd be going back with a bit more of what I know and and uh, maybe use the Burns thing as an in-game adjustment if um, if needed. So that's that's what I've got written down. Um, we shall we shall see. Um, Stuart Watson, any other business before we uh, go? The only thing I've got to say is that there's still no sign of the window cleaner. He was doing some other. Keeping Tom hasn't arrived. Street. No, he's not arrived just yet. So uh, he has been doing other houses on the street. So. No, no, no sign of him at this moment in time. I'm sure some other people that live in Ipswich uh, may well have the same window cleaner and know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, let me know if you do, because we can uh, we can form a little club, which you can't be in because you live you don't live in Ipswich. <laughs> do you ah. want to finish with the score prediction? <laughs> yeah, two two. <laughs> okay, three two Ipswich. Hey, very nice. Any other business? No other business. No other business. All that leaves me to do is um, do a bungled outro to the uh, to the podcast, uh, at which point I try and tell you to listen, which you've already done. Subscribe to the podcast. Stop waving. You'll wave till you wrap this up. Okay. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Definitely do that because uh, you'll get it quicker. Um, follow us on our social media channels on Twitter. Two hands for the wave. Here we go. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, um, not on TikTok, so don't worry about that. Come on, Watson, and uh, just make sure you come back next time. Enjoy the game at the weekend if you're going, and we'll be back. Um, we'll be back next week with a few more of us, probably than than just Stuart and I. We're being we're being left to been trusted to do this by ourselves. So, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll um, we'll see you next time.
true crime to football, Brexit to Coatesville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.